Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think it's really, it's really about educate, keep educating. There's not enough education about it. About it. Change with your recruitment policy and your recruitment, the candidates that you, that you see. And then surround yourself, get advice. Hello, I'm Stephanie Parry and welcome to my podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? As an executive coach and organization consultant, I'm curious to understand how leaders are learning from the current crisis. I strongly believe that there's no going back to normal and through my work, I'm committed to help leaders identify new ways to move forward. My guest in this episode is Dan Bethelemy-Rada, a senior leader in L'Oreal. The focus of our conversation is social responsibility, especially Black Lives Matter, and what leaders can do in their sphere of influence to make a difference. I hope as you listen to this, you'll hear that we're being thoughtful about this sensitive topic, sometimes feeling awkward, but always coming from a good place of trying to use our opinions and our experience to find practical ways for leaders to change and to make a difference. Okay, Dan, so welcome to my podcast. Where do we go from here? Thank you for being my guest today. Would you just like to get started by introducing yourself to, to our listeners? My name is Daniel Bethelmirada, and there's not a simple way to describe myself because if I had to choose one word, it will be multi-diversities. And why multi-diverse? Because, well, first, racially, I have African blood, I have white blood, I have also native South American Indian blood, and all of that is mixed in my origins and my family. So besides from being multiracial, I would say I'm multicultural as well, because I've spent one third of my life more or less in Venezuela, one third of my life in the US and one third of my life in uh, France. So a lot of cultures as well. I'm also socially diverse because I come from a poor country and from a family that was not wealthy. And I made my way, my way up to who I've become now. And I'm married to a Nicholas, so I'm gay. And we adopted two kids in 2015, so I'm also a dad. Besides from that, I'm a very uh, fulfilled professional. I love what I do. I work at L'Oreal and I'm the general manager of Yves Saint Laurent Beauté in France. That's great, Dan. Thank you for, for, for that. And I love how you describe yourself and the, the multiplicity, I can hardly say it, the multiplicity of how, of how you think about yourself. And I think that touches something in me as well. But I'm very much aware, especially this past year, of my whiteness and my white privilege even as a woman where in my life I've, you know, experienced various different problems, I am nevertheless a white privileged woman. But even if I wanted to simplify, I would never describe myself in terms of my skin color. Even when I simplify, I describe myself 
either by my passport. I'm French, Venezuelan. That's the easiest way when I don't have the time or I don't want to make a point. But it's more about culture. And the, even though race, of course, has an impact on your life, but it's, to me at least, it's more about culture. So I'm glad you caught me up on that, Dan, because it's an interesting point. And um, I guess it's only recently that I've described myself as white and privileged. Um, before, I would have used other, uh, other ways of describing myself, both personal and professional, um, but they certainly wouldn't have included a racial element. But somehow I think it's important to hold that in my consciousness so that it can be a guide to how I behave and how I think about myself and others going forward. So what I'd like to do is, is come back to how you think about yourself and tell me more about your, your multidiversities and how did your, how did your thinking develop and what does it mean? To me, it means that we're not dual because... There is, between black and white, there's tons of gray, right? And it, it will be too easy and also too negative to reduce oneself to one thing, to one label. And of course, we simplify in our everyday life. But I do like, when I have the time, explaining all of my diversities or all of my dualities, because it makes everything more interesting it makes this influence that i have because of the places i've lived my racial origins or my social backgrounds it's interesting and it seems positive as well for others when you are put in a label you're gay and gay oh my god had has and still had had and still has so many negative um, connotations but then when you say you're gay but you're a dad mm. you're gay but you're a professional and you work in a big company you're gay but so it becomes I don't want to use the word but but that's how we explain it yes and so yes. it becomes more richer and it says okay so that means that when you are black you're not necessarily poor that means that when you're black you're not necessarily non-educated that means that when you're gay you're not only in bars and discotheques you can be many other things in that label we put to minorities so it sounds like what you're saying that uh, with these m multiple ways of thinking about yourself that it's a challenging of stereotypes that it's that you're gay and <laughs> gay and 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 it's not just not just gay and then all the labels that are attached, that society attaches to that, you know, that descriptor. Yeah, well, sometimes I joke about it. Mm. At work, for example, I joke about it and I say, honestly, I am gay, I am black looking, I am Latino. But the reality is that when I describe shortly or in a conversation, whatever, who I am and what, what am I the product of? It raises questions. Mm. And uh, it raises questions that I like answering. And curiosity. How can, in people's, in most people's heads, and when you're white, male, Caucasian, and because we live in France, French, you have not been exposed to this mm. in your childhood. Yeah, you've, you have not been exposed to this. Maybe at work, depending on where you work. But so... It sparks curiosity in 
the bubble that I live in. I'm not sure that if I didn't live where I live and surrounded by the people I am, it, it the, the feeling or, or the, the reaction of others would be curiosity, but maybe mm. rejection. Yes. Or not wanting to get involved with you. Yes. I've been lucky. I've been very lucky because, well, I have suffered from racism or racial um, biases, but maybe three, four times in my life, and I'm 42 years old, so, mm-hmm. and I've never been uh, confronted to homophobic reactions, maybe one or two, mm-hmm. but again, mm-hmm. I've been out of the closet for more than 20 years now, so... I've been lucky, but a lot of people aren't. I think I'm lucky. When you're an African-American in the U.S., slavery is very present. Yes. Recent history is very present. And in your everyday life, it's very present that you're treated very differently than anyone else. So last year, just after George Floyd was murdered, you and I were talking, and I was asking you about what I could do um, because it was just after that Black Square Tuesday on Instagram and other socials. And I was feeling uncomfortable about that, but also was feeling impassioned by what was happening and not really knowing what I could do. And you said to me, education, educate yourself. And that really grounded me in something immediate and practical that I could do and have continued doing ever since. So why do you think that education around these social justice issues, be it Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ+, Me Too, why do you think education is the starting point? Being in the US when all of this happened and and being exposed to New York society or New York um, inhabitants who are really, really into all of these issues, New York people really are conscious of the richness and the diversity and progress that all of these communities built to to the city. So all of that, you know. What's interesting to me, to what was interesting for me to understand is, so why? Why? Why are there in the U.S. more Latinos and African-American in jail? Why are they... So, And the answer to me is learn. So what happened? What, what, how do we get here? And so I said education. So what, what do I, what did I do? First, I asked my friends because I don't have, even if my skin color is blackish, I don't have the same story, the same history of African-Americans in in, in the U.S. So I asked my African-American friends, what can I read? What can I watch? What can I do then to help even if, I didn't feel concerned in the way that I don't think maybe because I'm gay that I would be in that situation. But I wanted to understand. And so she gave me a list of um, films to watch, a list of books to read, TV shows, and then three ways to act. Communicate what you've learned. Hmm. I have two kids, so... I watched some TV shows and some films and then I would talk to them about it. And I would say, hey, I I watched this and I read this. Tell them what did I take from those. 
simplifying because they're teenagers, of course, and they're, and they're young, but um, still trying to talk to people. And then donating, of course, because yes. in the U.S. it's a big thing. And most companies now actually that donate in the U.S. So I went to the people who knew. Then I watched, read, and, uh, and communicate about it. So there's almost like a cycle there of of sort of inner circle who can advise and guide, yeah. doing the learning for yourself, and then doing something with that learning, yeah. and, and then yeah. maybe sort of going through that cycle and keep keep adjusting it. Exactly. And, and only even giving visibility to what happened is it's, it's important. Yes. yes. But giving visibility in a way... So... So this is, for me, there's a struggle there between posting, you know, just posting the black square on Instagram felt, yeah. felt useless, actually, yeah. felt like an empty gesture. How do we give visibility in a way that is helpful and meaningful and moves yeah. us forward? Of course, all of these topics of diversity now become really exponential or really problematic with race and still with gays and honestly, yeah. it's still not solved with disabilities as well because transgender. we trans yeah transgender because we are in a, in a society that is so so extremized today. You can choose to only hear, watch, feel the things that you want to. You're not exposed. To almost anything that you haven't chosen, because you follow this, you buy that, you don't, and you. And now yes. it's even worse because in COVID you don't even go out in the streets yes. to see how other people live. Yes. yes. And so when I say, when I was saying, part of that, you know, educational educational process to understand what happened in Black history, understand. Today's feeling as well. Why are they reacting like this? Why? Because even for me, Latin American, French, a little bit of American, I said, why is this happening? And you have to force yourself to go beyond what you know, go beyond the stereotypes, because we live in a world that is much more multi than before mm -hmm. and so all of those labels of the past you can no longer implement even in the even in the u.s when you're black you're you're black uh, with a little bit of something or you're black black or you're they said that people had a t-shirt at the time that says black no sugar no cream mm -hmm. and then there is and referring to me i'm black with sugar and cream Sugar because my culture is different. Yes, yes. And cream because I'm lighter. And so it's the, the labels, it, it's, they're going to disappear. I'm sure they're going to disappear, but you have to go beyond, beyond those things. And honestly, it's already happening. I see interns in, in, at L'Oreal that I work with every day. To them, Asking the question, is he straight or gay? It, I, I've heard someone ask that question and said, who, who cares? Yeah, yes. 
they already live in a world that I called multi, they called fluid. So, so generationally, it changes as well. And Correct. I think, yeah. you know, we, we see that it's my parents' attitude would be different to my exactly. attitudes and, and those of, you know, of the generation below me. So, so, but that doesn't mean to say that you're locked into your generation and that you can't open up your eyes, become curious, learn, change your attitudes. I think it would be terrible if we were locked, not just into our, our social context, but into our age too, that yeah. would be yeah. just another layer. What would you say, so this is, I, I want to ask you, what would you say to people who say, this is, this is just a US problem? Because I certainly oh. hear people in Europe, in France, it, it, less maybe in the UK, because there's been quite a lot going on in the UK as well. But this is just a US problem, or this is... It's too big. It's systemic. There's nothing that I can do. So what's your reaction? Just as I told you that I, I lived in a colorblind society when I was in Venezuela, I would say that they're blind. They're blind in, in they're blind. And worse than that, these people who are suffering, and that's the main difference between the US, the UK and France, for example, these people who are being discriminated are invisible and they don't exist for anyone. This is very personal and it's a very personal opinion. But the fact that we know exactly how many Latinos, how many African-Americans are there in the U.S. makes them visible. Just that fact allows you to, in companies, say we have a target of having 14% of our population Latino in, in, in the company because that's the fair amount versus the number of uh, yes. people in the, um, in the country. Second, I have had experiences in France in very nice, nice areas where I've been taken by someone who I'm not just because of my skin color. And there is a co-responsibility. There's the responsibility of me saying, listen, the only reason you think that I'm a waiter, it's because of my skin color. Because look at what I'm wearing. Look at who, like, look at me. I am not a waiter. But you think that because... And then the co-responsibility of the other person would be understanding and admitting that she has a bias. Absolutely. And it's not her fault. And it's not her fault and it's not, she's not being racist, but she, she has a bias. She thinks that when you're in a restaurant, all people who are not white are part of the staff. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So those are, you're touching there on the unconscious bias that we all have, but we can do something about it. Yes. And that's what I have learned, especially over the past year, is first of all, in my own awareness and my own education, becoming aware of what, my behavior, thinking that I, I would never describe myself as racist but then I understood what anti-racist is, and that's mm. much more active behavior. Mm. It's mm. not just uh, an attitude, it's an entire set of behaviors. And so I have caught myself being that woman, if you like, mm. being on, mm. you know, speaking to somebody in the, the queue for the post office, thinking that, that he was uh, a worker in the post office because he was ahead of the queue holding papers, when in fact he was just another customer like me. But I had made that judgment based on his skin colour. And that was deeply shocking to me. And I'm sure I do that far more frequently than I realise. But what I am doing is, is working on my unconscious bias to make sure that I'm conscious of it. So that experience I had allows me to become more conscious mm. and to mm. change my behaviour. And, and if... The, the good thing about being conscious of your biases is that you can decide, and it really takes a decision, you can decide that the next time you see a black person, an Arab or whatever it is, that it's different than you, of course you will going to see the skin, color, the skin color, but never stop there. Yes. yes. And so what are the other cues that will help you understand who this person is. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's what I even do myself, to be honest. Because sometimes, I mean, and, and it's normal, I think I have a bias then as well. And sometimes I look at the person and I said, okay, is this person, it, does he or she work here? Or is it because I have a bias? Or is it... So I, I work on that. I talk... I talk with my friends and with my with my friends about it and with my kids about it and also just explaining what has happened to you already makes a difference. Mm -hmm. My friends were shocked and I was shocked that none of these things that happened to me had happened to them because they're white. Yes. It's yes. it's crazy. I've been taken by a Sarah, Zara, uh, salesperson, by waiter, of mm -hmm. course, by security guard, and I'm super slim, so I don't look like a security <laughs> guard. No, you're definitely not a security <laughs> guard. <laughs> so, yes. and none of my friends yes. have suffered from this. None. So, and those are examples of what I think of and I think people describe as everyday racism. Yes. It's, it, it is small behaviors and attitudes that are constant they're micro acts it's the same with sexism as well so everyday sexism mm -hmm. micro sexism mm -hmm. so 
in some ways our experience crosses over in as much mm. as, you know, I've been taken for a waitress. <laughs> I've been asked to do yeah. secretarial yeah. duties. Yes. So those are everyday occurrences of racism and of sexism. Mm. So Correct. if you're... Discrimination. Yeah, yeah if, if, discrimination, yes. So mm. if you're a mm. black woman, I'm, I'm having that as a white woman, but if you're a black woman then there's an All intersection the there of oh my God. the obstacles build up. Yeah, to to answer, to, to finish answering your question, in everyday life is to really, really be aware of your biases. It might, I mean, I think it has helped me. Then talk about your own experiences and recognize that you, to you, to your friends and to everyone who surrounds you, because they, they will also be able to understand your reactions, your decisions, your, the way you feel about something and always put them forward. Mm. I, every time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an opinion in my private or public life about something that I have a bias with or on, I say it up front. My decision or my opinion is tinted by my bias, which is Chinese food is delicious. Yeah. And so I beats. always say it up front. Always. I do it almost every day at work. I also do it in, in my family. As a, as a Latino, I have a bias. I think there's, there's ways of learning about your bias as well. So getting feedback from others, exposing yourself, being, becoming part of a wider circle. I realized that my circle of people I know is white, middle-aged, mixed, mixed sexuality, but, yeah. but just in a natural way, make sure um, I have a wider circle because that will yeah. challenge my... That's okay, but just being exposed to it. I'm watching yeah. right now, and, and I recommend, um, strongly recommend people to to see this show if they want to understand more about what's happening today with racism in the US. It's a TV show on Netflix and it's called Dear White People. Mm -hmm. And so it's a radio program of African-American with cream and sugar who, who addresses white people on, on her radio show, Dear White People. And it's really, 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 really interesting. And, 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 that, and that is... It's part of educating yourself as well, yes. because yeah. even myself, I have learned things on that show about how to talk about some topics or to some people in a different. As a leader, what, what is working for you? Uh, you know, because I think many leaders that, that I work with and know are troubled by what's going on and don't always know what to do about it. But there's a lot of good intention of wanting to do something. So what have you, what would you recommend or what have you done and, and seen that, mm, that mm. works or doesn't work? The first step, I would say, is exposing people to what's different. And that's a decision that you, that you take for the team of bringing to your company outside speakers or highlight those who are in the company and other departments to come and uh, have what I call a, a fireside chat, chat about a specific topic. 
In some companies, we have to make decisions about products. And one of the things that we did in the US when I arrived in my brand was to surround ourselves with a panel of African-American people from different ages that are literate about the subject and that understand the, the history and the present feeling, as we were saying at the beginning, of these populations. And so we consult them. We consult them in a very uh, practical way. It was on, uh, we put it on the, on the internal network and say, hey, we dropped something, a concept, a color, whatever it was to, for them to give us our feedback. And they would be the ones deciding whether it's a yes or a no for this population. Another thing is when you're recruiting from the lowest levels of your team, to the highest, make sure that you have at least candidates. At least candidates. Because, and make it a rule. In, I mean, that's what I did, because if, if not, it, it, it won't go fast enough. Yes. And, you yes. and when I say you have to start at the lowest levels, because interns of today's will be the me's and you's of tomorrow. And then we had a training as well on uh, conscious biases. It wasn't specifically on race, but we had some exercises on race. It was about disability. It was about many other things. And, and it's very powerful because you are, it's a practical exercise and you're, you're doing this game and where you're putting forward all of your biases, all of your biases, and then at the end, you realize, and it's powerful because it's difficult to realize that you have a conscious, an unconscious bias. It is difficult. You need help. I think that's something that many companies are undertaking already. But you know, it's something as a leader. If your company isn't doing, then it's out there, and you can find it and and do it. Just to sum up on that, I think it's really it's really about educate, keep educating. There's not enough education about it, about it. Change with your recruitment policy and your recruitment, the candidates that you, that you see, and then surround yourself, get advice. And it doesn't matter if you're black because black people also have their own biases about their own community. So it's get help when it comes to any type of discrimination. Dan, in the context of all the conversation that we had, and as a leader, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody, all my guests, which is, where do we go from here? I would say the first thing is be conscious or accept that racism exists and that you have biases. And the fact that you have biases, it's okay. Once that you're conscious, how do you act? to erase your biases. Surround yourself with people that are different than you. Read things that you won't necessarily read. Watch movies, not to entertain yourself, but to learn about your biases and the things that you're not understanding about what's happening around you. And three, spread the word. Spread it. Spread it in your, in your family, in your friends, at work with your team using maybe external people, but keep spreading the word so you can onboard other onboard others to change. 
Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? I'm Stephanie Parry, and if you want to find out more about my work, please go to www.stephanie-parry.com. This podcast has been produced by Hattie Moyer at storyhunter.co.uk. And if you've got this far, you'd probably like to know that the music was written by Jean-Pierre Cloarec, my husband, and interpreted by my stepdaughter, Julie Cloarec. The next podcast will be coming soon. Thank you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.